live from F102, this is Art As We Know It. This is a special NPR episode of our bi-monthly podcast. With this episode, we hope to share our art knowledge and help inspire others to find art in their daily lives. I'm Ariana, and today with me, I have Alana, Anissa, Sassine Patrick, and a very special guest. Today, we have an exclusive interview with local Dallas-based artist, Riley Holloway. Welcome to Art As We Know It. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So we were wondering if you could just um, give us a little background on yourself and kind of how you got into the art world and um, what inspires you. Okay, so uh, I'm a figurative painter uh, with a studio in Dallas and living in Plano. Uh, I got introduced to art really young by my mom. I was four years old and we would tear out these fashion magazines, like these portraits out of them. And she would use tracing paper and we would talk about the anatomy of them. And so we did this almost every night. I was really obsessed with it. And uh, I just continued from that point on. Uh, in 2012, I got a uh, residency at the Fairmont in Dallas. And that's when I say I actually started my career. Oh, okay. So my first question I want to ask you, with today being like such a broad a range of mediums accepted in art, I was wondering why you choose oil paint and what, what you like about it that brings to your art. Well, I got really caught up in the Renaissance, right? Era. Mm-hmm. So I got caught up in that, and I knew that I always wanted to paint that way and draw that way. I didn't exactly know how to approach it, but a friend of mine, uh, Jose, he uh, he pulled me aside and he said, "Have you seen this book? You know, it was just a regular anatomy book. It wasn't that great." Now that I look back on it, but um, he kind of uh, showed me his sketchbook and some other things he was working on, and it just kind of opened this completely other door for me, almost like a different world for me of of learning how to draw. And, uh, and paint, pretty much. Yeah, I think that answered the question, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. They're, they're really beautiful, and I think they really bring out uh, individuality in a lot of your uh, subjects. Appreciate that. You mentioned that you like Renaissance art. I was wondering, are there any specific artists from that time period that influenced you in your art? Not specifically, no. Well, Leonardo, of course. If you look at some of my earlier sketchbooks, they really mirrored his style. So yeah, so he was the main one for the most part for me. Just being multifaceted too, I thought was very interesting. And that his sketchbooks had more than just anatomy, you know. He had inventions for weapons and he had details of flowers and insects and all sorts of things. It just shows how broad your sketchbook can be. You know, so I remember doing only sketchbook work for about two years straight. You know, I kinda of put down the painting for a while back in two thousand ten and eleven. Yeah, so Leonardo's the big one. Um, So just looking through your collection, I noticed that a lot of your paintings are focused on people and individuality. So I guess I was just wondering, how do you choose your subject? Okay, Uh, yeah, so sometimes it's very random. Sometimes it's just a person who catches my eye. You know, um, one guy, his name is Ayas, and uh, he came to an opening, a couple openings. And he he had locks and just an interesting look to him. And so it was as simple as, hey, you know, is it okay if I get a photo of you for a painting? And you invite them to the studio, you get the photo, and you get to know them there. Sometimes it's more personal. You know, I'll paint someone like my mom or my wife, you know, or like a mentor. My work is definitely led by people. You know, it's almost taking the ordinary and, you know, sort of putting them in this grand scale of this large, large painting. You know, and kind of telling that story in the best way that you can, I think, is the most fascinating thing. As you were, you know, talking about your family, I guess what I was wondering is, like, how do you balance your art, you know, your artwork versus, you know, family? How does that work out? So interesting is I thought that I had to follow the same trend as other artists. You know, I have a studio, but now I'm painting in my garage, right? 
<laughs> so, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, most artists, they go off to their studio, like office hours, and they come home. I did that for about a year until I realized like, wow, you know, I could really be working here at home. So what we did was, is we actually blended it, art and family. You know, my wife started helping me. I was in a contract with a gallery in Fort Worth, and we left that contract and went independent and started working together. And, you know, the kids go to meetings with us, you know, like a gallery tries to sign us or something. We take the kids with us. They go to the openings. They travel sometimes with us. Me and my wife go everywhere together for it. She handles everything pretty much but painting and building and moving things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great teamwork. Yeah. And it's nothing like working with someone who's working on the same thing as you. You yeah. know, especially two things you really love the most, which is our two kids, right? So mm-hmm. we're both very involved in it. Yeah. Um, a question I had for uh, your overall art career is if you had any specific sacrifices or if you had to adapt your lifestyle in any way to keep art consistent in your life. Yeah, budget-wise, right? Uh, budget-wise, I had to. But for the most part, I've been doing it all my life. So it wasn't too, too many changes. The big change was, you know, in having kids. So it it does change time for you. Being able to just get up whenever you want to and paint whenever you want to uninterrupted kind of ends at that point, you know. So it's it's okay. It's not bad at all. It's very manageable, but it does create a difference. But sacrifices, I, I don't know. It's like most people would say... Well, I have to paint all the time and not go out, but I've always just painted all the time and not gone out. <laughs> right, it, just, it comes natural to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Yeah. Would you have any um, projects that you're currently working on or any upcoming goals that you're like, going towards that you can uh, tell us about? A lot going on, actually. So I have a public art project for Fort Worth for the Municipal Court Building. And what it is is I designed three designs for three uh, six-foot by six-foot windows for the building. And then they take the design to a place in Germany to fabricate the glass. And then they send that back and they install it. So that's one thing we're working on, which is boring. <laughs> it's like really boring. I had to show up to, to the building to for three hours on a Saturday morning to watch them take Ooh. the glass out, measure it, and put the glass back in. Right? <laughs> And, you know, so it, it gets kind of slow, but it's a good thing to have on a resume and experience to have uh, that. And then, man, yeah, a, a grant for a project I'm working on titled Made in America, where I'll be interviewing people about American history and have it pertain to uh, American history, you know, locally, pretty much. So in the DFW area. And then, yeah, so those two main projects and then a couple ideas. We're excited for it. Thank you. I was reading somewhere that your mother is actually an artist, right? Yeah, yeah. And so she was a pretty big influencer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get her to start back. So this is something we were all kind of wondering about, just knowing how your mom was a big influencer on you. Do you intend to keep art or introduce art into your children's lives? Yeah, in different ways, though, because you never know, you know, like what they'll gravitate towards, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I never pushed it. But the very fact of me doing it around them 24-7 mm-hmm. is having an impact, right? So now the talk of art, you know, me and my wife could be talking about art. We can just be talking about a piece that's sold or an exhibit coming, and she'll go, I want to draw now, right? She's four, you know, so she'll go and draw. So it's uh, it's more of a thing of what do you want to do, and I'll, I'll help supply, you know, <laughs> but I'm not going to push it on them but yet. They, they do do it, though. They paint at the same table with me sometimes if I have something small to work on. Have you ever noticed if your kids influence the way that you do art? Yeah, I would say having a family in general has. I kind of, I, I realize that being an artist, I kind of absorb what's around me. Also, even down to colors, it's, mm-hmm. it's really weird. You know, like if I look at my work 
at one point when I was single versus being with my wife who decorates completely different than I do. You see a difference in the color choices. They start to match our house. <laughs> and it's the weirdest thing. You know? But uh, so, yes, it, it has changed some things. It's raised the stakes a bit more. Uh, when you're when it's just you, you're, you're worried about less, you know. When it's other people involved, kind of depending on you, then it does raise the stake. And it makes you it makes you consider certain things a lot more. Not so much if I'm going to be an artist, but how am I going to be one? You know, in what way will I actually have a career? So just noticing the works in your portrait collection, you focus a lot on people of color. And so we actually went around the school talking to students and asking them how they felt about seeing other people of color being represented in art on such a large scale. So I'm just going to play two clips for you. Uh, I mean, the pictures represent a lot. Like this, well, let me go like the one with the um, black African-American dude with the chain. He might be a rapper or something. Just trying to make it out. Uh, or an Asian woman who owns a clothing store. Um, this reminds me of my grandpa. <laughs> so it is, would you say that you make personal connection? I mean, yeah, to some of them. Yeah. I could say that. Like this might, be, this might be represented in some of my neighborhoods. They're like all these like stereotypes. Like we're this way, we're this way, this and that. But this is just people just chilling about, doing their own thing, just like how everyone else is. And it's cool to be represented that way because I am just you know a person. With my skin color is a bit different than yours, you know. So yeah, it's cool. Wow. One thing that's interesting about that is, so for me, I, I tend to paint the people around, right? So that's how they end up getting selected. You know, so, and it's, it's sometimes it's very, very random. It's like maybe a friend comes to the house and it's like, stay right there. It's anybody, right? <laughs> you know, it, even at gallery openings lately, I'll see someone standing under a light or something. Like, you please gotta take a picture, right? <laughs> and, you know, you kind of get away with it without being creepy being the artist, right? So they already know right off the bat, mm -hmm. like they might get painted. <laughs> <laughs> so it ends up being okay. But that's one thing about art that I'm finding out lately is uh, I'm getting better at being aware of it, but you don't know exactly the impact of what you're doing in the moment until you start to share it, right? And then people can give you feedback, and then it takes on its life of its own. You didn't know, like, whoa, right? Mm -hmm. A big example of that was a project, a public art project I was telling you about with the building and the glass windows. They were doing a, a celebration for the 50th anniversary of the anti-discrimination ordinance. So on this building's grounds was the first location where they had the civil rights movement in Fort Worth, right? It didn't happen in Dallas for whatever reason, but it made it to Fort Worth, and that's where it happened at. So they're doing a reveal for the design. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go there. It's going to be a normal thing. I'm thinking this was a normal project. I did it. I laid it out, done, right? And I get there, and I look around. I was like, this is interesting. And there's cameras and things, and and, uh, and then there's, like, protesting. I'm like, oh, this is interesting they all have like tape on their mouths and they're holding protest signs you know basically one sign was reading things like there's a cop who's still part of the forest who you know murdered someone and so you know you see these valid points on these cards and then you have to go up there and shake them you know 
the hand of the people who put the project on. But it was just so much passion around me. Like I had people come up to me who were a little confused that I took the project. I had some people come up to me who were very excited that I took it. Some people were so happy that I took the project on that they actually cried right in front of me. And so when you do something, you don't fully know the impact until it's out there in the world. That was a big lesson. That was a little surprising too. It was like, well, yeah, you know, it's my uncle that he actually saw. I think the one of the man sleeping, I think he said it looks like my uncle, I believe. It kind of takes on like a life of its own after after you're done with it. Absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So Tassine and I went around the school and we showed people that we saw one of your art pieces, the piece Bailey Quinn. It was one of your works on paper pieces. And we asked them all, what is the first thing that you see? So this piece is straight attitude. But also, uh, these sketches here were a series uh, around the time when my daughter was due to be born. And so I was doing these notes to her, you know, and um, just like some were warnings, some were like being, you know, to be ambitious, some were like instructions, but they were all titled Bailey Quinn, like in numbered, I believe. So this one is just, uh, you know, there's a, it says Ben King. So it's like kind of recognizing that, you know your power. And then the rest kind of centered around my daughter. And then Ben done the right thing. And Spike Lee, just a jab at Spike Lee. Uh, I'm a big fan of his earlier, you know, movies. And I was actually watching one at the time. But yeah, so that's the, the gist of, of these sketches. It's just ramblings, really. What is the first thing you see in this art piece? That they're, it, they're not happy. It doesn't look happy. It just looks kind of like been through a lot. I don't know. Um... That's what I'm getting. <laughs> Not negative, just been through a lot, and here, and here I am now. Well, the guy stands out to me first, but also the shook on the right-hand quarter kind of calls my attention. And there's like a little, there's like an orange little circle at the bottom. I think the little details are really interesting as well. That was, that was interesting, too. Um, the first person, was that you the first one? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoever it was when he says that, uh, that they don't look happy. Somewhat true. It, it's more like they look tired in a way, you know? Um, and that, around that time, when I say that I was doing these, around the time my daughter was doing, talking like, in, like we're in the hospital, right? It wasn't like a, a complicated birth. It was complicated enough to be in the hospital for a couple of days before the baby was born. Yeah, they looked tired. And then uh, the fact that Shook stood out to one person, that was... Uh, that started at the residency. I was writing poems, and they all ended in shook. And I remember writing these poems all over the walls in the in the studio downstairs because the gallery owner told me that it was okay. It's like you know we had graffiti artists in here before. They just paint over it after the artist's gone. So all around me are like these ramblings of like poems with ending in shook. And if you didn't know it was an artist, it probably would have seemed like a crazy person just like writing on the walls <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, so it's cool that that stood out to that person. Earlier you mentioned that to create an artwork, you sometimes take pictures of people or bring them to the studio. I was wondering, do you ever paint live? Uh, I don't paint live. Just it doesn't fit the schedule right now. And not everyone wants to sit for it. Pretty much the process now is I get them in, I light them, uh, and I take a picture of them. And then uh, from there I figure out what size am I doing this in? Oh, uh, what am I looking? What do I know about the person? You know, what stood out to me that I can actually push further, right? So that's, uh, and then when it comes to backgrounds, because, you know, when you're taking pictures of them, they're not in their environment. So you have to come up with, you know, what's going to be in the background. And so a lot of the times having some information on who the person is actually helps a lot. You know? So 
And I try to find ways to actually represent that person in the background the best that I can. So something that stands out within your work is just how massive your portraits and your paintings are. And so I was just wondering, what is the purpose behind using such large canvases? That is a good question. (laughs) It's like one day. You know, it, it's funny because it's, like, it's almost a blur, but there was definitely a point where I was not painting large. I don't know when it happened or what made it happen. I think it was really just I got space and then I started to paint larger. So it became sort of that thing. It's like I adapted to whatever space I had. I was like, I have more space, I can do a larger painting. You know, but I capped it at, at six feet, though, <laughs> so either direction, usually, usually. So you're a very successful artist. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about how um, you entered the art industry and how you set yourself up as a successful artist and you like come kind of climb in the art world really long journey don't expect anything to happen fast <laughs> you know like at all uh even if you sell a piece you know don't expect the money to come fast from it but uh i remember i had to deal with some illusions that i had though i thought that if i got signed to a gallery that 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 was it like i was gonna be good good to go and you find out really quick that not yet right it's not exactly the case you still have to work really hard it doesn't mean that it just automatically you have more sales and everything's good now you can just paint so i had to get rid of that idea too and then you know in trying to live with and manage you know galleries taking 50 percent that's something you kind of get used to and learn to work with and around what got me started and what i tell most artists when they ask me how to start is uh participate it's as simple as that a lot of us are making work especially young a lot of us are making work and we're just sitting on it. Or we're making it for home or we're just making it just for school. There's nothing to stop you now from submitting. There's open calls all the time. There's juried exhibitions all the time. Some do require you to be over 18, but there's some that don't. No, so there's things out there that can get you to participate and go to openings. Go to art openings. Some of your friends or fellow students are going out doing something else, playing video games. You can go to art openings. And that's one way to kind of get a foot in the door. I went to Craighead Green Gallery for five years on my because of my studio was across the street and so almost monday through friday I, you know about two three days a week i would go through there during lunch and he didn't realize i was an artist until like the fourth year because you know, i would just say hi bye and uh eventually he asked me what i did i told him i was an artist and that i work on the street you know there on that street and he finally visited the studio like a year later and he goes, you know, I have to apologize when you say you work on the street i thought you worked for somebody i did not know you had these giant paintings in here <laughs> right so you have to participate that's it mm-hmm. you know participate and continue and be strong it's hard <laughs> it's like really hard yeah. earlier you mentioned that you had to go to that glass cutting thing and that was a really boring thing to do have you ever had an experience where your art took you somewhere really interesting yeah i would say last year december when we went to miami basel um, I had some work in Juxtapose magazine, so that was cool. And that was my first time showing anything out of state. And uh, through Instagram, we sold a piece to Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys. Um, so we went to this uh, to his art event, and it's called No Commission, where he doesn't take a cut of the artist's sales. And so we go to that, and he, he talks to me through Instagram. So I send him a picture because they did like a sip and paint. And then he says, on my way now. And he shows up, and we actually get to paint together. And I get to meet him and, you know, find out he's really normal and cool, you know. And so I think that's the that's been the most interesting experience so far is seeing where art can take you. I think the biggest impact have been the people who have actually really, really helped me, you know. Like, Swizz is a, 
he's a client who bought something, don't know him well. But then there's people like my mentor, Cedric, who's, you know, really, really valuable, who I can call when I really need advice. So your artwork kind of takes you. I almost feel like it's a, sort of a driver, almost like a vehicle. It takes you to meet interesting people. You know, it takes you to learn money management because now you have lunch with your clients and they obviously manage money well. And they obviously talk about it a lot. I'm like, why are we talking about how to purchase a house? You know, like, <laughs> but okay. And then as you get older, you learn to start to, you know, find that valuable. And now that's the same person I called a couple weeks ago to figure some things out. So art can actually really do that. It's really relationship driven. So just to wrap up, what is one thing that you want your audience and your viewers to take away from your collection? To uh, pretty much appreciate what's around you. Like, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. Because most of my career, I've, I've highlighted, you know, uh, people valuable to me and kind of put that on, on display in the best way that I can. One person in particular is Tony Bennett at a Fairmont Hotel. And everybody loved Tony because he always had a big smile. He always greeted you like he knew you. But, you know, in the break room, you would see him, he looked very, very tired. And so I remember you had to donate a piece to the hotel for the stay for doing a residency. And so what they got was this giant painting of Tony Bennett. That's what inspires me as people. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this exclusive interview with Riley Holloway. We hope to keep making creative content like this for you in the future. So stay tuned and keep listening. Thank you for listening to this NPR special episode of our podcast. For more information on us and Riley Holloway, you can check our blog at www.artasweknowitpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.